morning, One Tribe. My name is Cody, and uh, my wife Megan and I lead a life group here in the Runda area on Thursday nights. I guess, I guess none of my, my life group showed up today, but uh, there's also another life group in Runda uh, headed by the Cones, and if you are in the Runda or Garden Estate or Four Ways, any of those areas near Runda and you're looking for a place and family, see, we, we believe that life group is a family. Uh, we come to church, we, we hear the word, but then we go to our life group and live life together and uh, share each other's burdens. So I really highly encourage you to get involved in a life group. If it's in Runda, come talk to me or the Cones. Uh, if you live in another part of the city, please see Paps and the elders, and uh, they will direct you to the right life group. So I know everyone has been wondering what happened to Paul on his last missionary journey. Whenever we went through the Jerusalem Council... And uh, the dispute that he had with Barnabas over John Mark, well, you're in luck because today we start a new series titled History Maker. The book of Acts may be seen by some as just this history of the church, but I believe there's so much more there to learn from the narratives than just history. And God is trying to teach us something, mainly that the Spirit continues in this world today. The way that people were moved upon by the power of the Holy Spirit in the first century is the same way, the exact same way that the Holy Spirit moves upon people in Nairobi in 2022. In fact, our elders believe so much in this missional, spirit-empowered church that even the mission statement of one tribe reflects that calling, multiplying gospel-centered Spirit-empowered missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. Over the next two months, we'll go on a journey with Paul the Apostle and his companions as they plant churches, cast out demons, get thrown into prison, cause chaos within the religious elite, and so much more. This trip is often referred to as Paul's second missionary journey. And it's on this trip where Paul plants churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, <laughs> Berea, Athens, Corinth, just to name a few. And today we'll be looking at where this journey began, which will hopefully give us some insight as to how we are supposed to live our lives in ministry today. Whenever I was a teenager, I traveled three times to Romania with my youth group on my first mission trip. Now, I don't know if that's saying a lot about me or, or a lot about my mom to trust me with the youth leader to go halfway across the world. But that experience was so impactful in my life that I knew that God had called me to be a missionary. And as I grew older, I ran from that calling. It didn't seem like the way of success. But even so, whenever, even, even whenever I didn't want to serve God, it was like in the back of the mind, my mind, I knew that I knew that I was called to be a missionary. And that's what God had created me for. Fast forward 10 years, I was now married and had a career in banking, 
with a master's degree in business administration. I was set for success in what the world calls success. We're in Nairobi, right? The hustler nation. We know what that type of success is. It's the clothes that you wear, the money in your bank account, your position at work, and the degree that's on your wall. What I would later learn is that success in God's economy equals something different. To God, success equals obedience. Let me say that again. Success in God's economy is being obedient to his Holy Spirit, guiding and directing. And I remember that day when Megan and I resigned our jobs to go into full-time ministry. We were excited, but we didn't know the next steps in the plan. And at that time, I only knew that God had called me into full-time ministry. I believe we've all been in that place of waiting not knowing the next steps, whether it's about God's direction in a job, are you supposed to stay, are you supposed to apply somewhere else, whether it's waiting on election results, who's going to win, is it Azimio or UDA, what? which way is this going? Maybe like us, it's waiting on God's timing to conceive a child. Megan and I have, are about to celebrate our 10th year as married couple, and not once have we had a positive pregnancy test. Maybe you're in a school environment or university which is toxic. It's not life-giving. You know that you have to complete your studies, but you don't really even know how you're going to survive this next term. Maybe you're just struggling to live day to day, questioning how can God even show up in your circumstance. What I love about the Word of God and about these narratives and acts is that these, these people are so real. And the things and the stories that they're going through uh, just equate so much to what I feel in 2022. And, and I want to show you this as we uh, read Acts 16, starting in verse 1 through 10. says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on this journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who had lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in number. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over here and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
Although Paul and his and those he was journeying with didn't know the plan of the Lord, they knew that God had led them through even those times of questioning. And in the beginning of this missionary journey, Paul starts to plan his way forward, even without complete knowledge of the circumstances ahead. Now, if you remember back to the sermon uh, taken out of Acts 15, Paul wants to start this second missionary journey, but he and Barnabas get in a heated debate over whether John Mark should accompany them or not. And this brought the two to a point of separation, each going their own way. As Paul sets out in ministry, he apparently needs someone to fill that role. So he chooses Timothy here in this passage. The interesting thing about Timothy is that he is the son of a Jewish background mother and pagan father. And for whatever reason, probably because uh, his father prevented it, Timothy was never circumcised according to the the law and tradition of his mother. And this passage may seem like somewhat of a contradiction to the previous sermon about the Jerusalem Council's decision on circumcision. And even Paul himself uh, cites in 1 Corinthians 7, was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not be uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping God's command is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. It may seem that Paul is somehow dishonest, but in reality, even though the right didn't mean anything anymore for believing Christians, it was an important part of Paul planning his future ministry that would include going into synagogues. If Paul had left Timothy the way that he was, their ministry would have been affected because of it. See, Paul cared so much more about breaking down barriers so that the gospel could be transmitted more effectively. So after taking Timothy, the group of missionaries continued on their journey. By this point, I know Paul had prayed. I'm sure he had fasted. Paul had planned his journey out. He had took measures to make sure that they would be accepted in the towns and villages. He did everything that he knew to do and probably so much more. After all that preparation, Paul had in his heart to travel to a populated area in a Roman province called Asia. This would have been in what we call modern-day Turkey. Can you imagine the hype and excitement? They're about to move into this new journey with the Holy Spirit. But then something happened. And the Bible doesn't really reveal how, but it says the Holy Spirit kept Paul and his companions from preaching in Asia. So they came together. They prayed again, and they decided to set out, and we're going to go to Bithynia this time. Probably with the same hype, same anticipation, ready to spread the gospel to new areas. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to enter. Not knowing where to go or what to do, they kept moving forward. 
and they eventually came to a port town called Troas. I want, to, I want you to see this on the map. See, Paul leaves Antioch with Silas here on the right, bottom right side of the screen, and they're traveling up through some of the towns that they had already been through, Troas, Derby, Lystra. As they come to Lystra, they meet Timothy, and they continue their journey westward. But as they go through this green area, Galatia, the next area they enter right on the outskirts of the pink is called Phrygia. And Paul wants to go to Asia, that whole red, pinkish area where Ephesus, where some of the, all the seven churches revealed in the book of Revelations are, are located. Paul's going to preach there. And so he starts to plan and, and the spirit prevents him. Say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? All right, let's go to Bithynia. We're going to turn north, and we're going to go up towards Bithynia. And the, the Spirit, again, prevents them. So what do they do? They continue on that journey. And look, look how the, those places are right next to each other, and they're on this road where they can't really go north, and they can't really go south. And it, it wasn't that God was saying to never go because we have a book in the Bible called Ephesians. He obviously went to Ephesus. But we know that Paul, God was telling Paul something at this moment. He was saying, not now. And in my mind, I hear these two places and think they must have been like two very different areas. But they're actually next door to each other, and they can't turn northward, they can't go southward, and they're stuck on this road to the west. Have you ever felt squeezed like that? In America, we have a saying, it's a stuck between a rock and a hard place. You ever felt like that? You wonder if there's light at the end of your tunnel? Does God know that you are surrounded on all sides? Does he have a plan to take you through? And all the while, these men felt surrounded and opposed on every side. God was trying to get Paul and Silas and Timothy over to Troas, where they would later have this vision of a man from Macedonia calling out. And that would begin their journey into what we call Europe today. It was there that that uh, uh, they had this vision, and we're going to continue the next few weeks. We'll be hearing more about their trip through that area of Macedonia and down into uh, Athens and Corinth. But right now, I want you to hear this, that even though your circumstances may seem hard on all sides, and you don't know, you can't fathom how, when or where your help will come from, God is still moving you to the place where he can use you. He is teaching you things that you need to know for the future ministry. He's giving you new perspectives on the world around you. He is saying, not yet. This is not the right time for you. But, but keep the faith and keep pressing forward. In the beginning of my ministry in Kenya, 
I felt like the Holy Spirit had placed this certain people group uh, in my heart to pray for and to go and minister to. I was very eager to visit them. I started preparing missions there. I learned some language. I started reading apologetics books so that I could win them to the faith. Now, I know this area was very hostile to the gospel, but I didn't care because I'd risk my life for Jesus. And the interesting thing was that every time I would plan on ministry in those places, somehow I would be prevented from going and traveling. The plans, they would just never work out. And over the last couple of years, God has allowed me to, be, to begin missions endeavors in those places, giving me new opportunities and favor in missions. But there was so much that he had to first teach me. Back then, I was ready to travel, and I would have probably done way more harm than good. And I didn't realize it, but God knew. And such is life. God puts dreams, plans, and visions in our heart. We prepare, we pray, we fast. We learn languages, we take courses, we build businesses, we get out there and we hustle. And even so, we come to the place where we feel like our plans were for nothing. Our business isn't making money. Our hopes for a child have not been fulfilled. We still live in constant pain and sickness. The one we voted for is not being elected into office. God, where are you? Are you even in this journey of mine? Do you even care about what's affecting me and my life? Now, I'm going to be fully transparent here, but I would ask that uh, you guys pray silently for us, but it's not something that we're ready to talk about right now. Um, Megan and I are asking God these same questions. He has put hopes and dreams for us to have a biological child. We have seen a fertility doctor for almost two years, trying different things. Nothing worked. We desired a miracle. We wanted a miracle. But we also knew that God can somehow use the medical doctors. And so this month, we are stepping out in faith to try a new procedure. And it's like... Is God going to prevent this from happening once again? Is this even God's design for our life? And the hard thing is, I don't have the answers to those questions. And neither does Paul. Paul didn't know God's plan. But he still planned. He still prepared. And then ultimately, he still moved forward anyways. Paul could have just stopped altogether, not moving one more meter, demanding direction from God in prayer. God, I won't move until you give me the whole plan. I'm just going to sit here. Stay put. Him and his associates could have said, well, you know what, guys? Since God isn't leading us north, he's not leading us south, we don't have any direction. Let's turn around, go back to Antioch where we know we can have ministry. You ever felt like that, just calling it quits, returning back to the old way because it's easy? We have faced those questions, and 
prayed those prayers. But through it all, we have resolved in our heart to prepare and move forward, even if we don't know God's full plan for our life and family. There are many of you here this morning. You're in circumstances and facing things in your life which you need God's direction. You felt that God has placed these desires and hopes and dreams in your spirit, but you keep hitting a wall. It's like every time you try to go in a new direction, that opportunity is just taken away from you. You have bargained with God. If you just show me, I'll trust you. You've contemplated giving up, throwing in the towel, returning to the easy way, even though you know that's not what the Spirit is saying to do. While this may be the way that you and I feel, we're only human and don't know the full scope of God's plan. And yet, I bet that if you look back, you will see many times in your journey where God showed up and sovereignly led you to the place you were supposed to be and where you are now. I want you to say this with me. Whenever my plans fail, God is still in control. Whenever my plans fail, God is still in control. Although you haven't reached where God is taking you, he is still in control and directing your steps. He is putting people in your life. He is bringing new opportunities. He's keeping you from future heartache. All the singles say amen. <laughs> For us, it was a certain doctor that we felt came at a providential time in our life. For Paul, it was a vision of a man from Macedonia calling out to him. For you, it may be a new friend who's coming along at just the right time or maybe a chance encounter that alters your future. Whenever the, whatever the method may be, God is sovereignly leading you to the place where he can use you and your testimony. The Life Application Bible points out some ways that God sovereignly guided his people in the book of Acts. Through direct revelation, through scripture, through the casting of lots, through unexpected supernatural acts, through the apostles' teachings, through judgment, through church growing pains, through persecution and evil opposition, through angelic messengers, through miraculous relocation, through direct life-altering encounters with the risen Lord, through visions, through human instruments, messengers, through times of intense prayer, through bringing to our minds the word of the Lord, through prophetic utterances, through God-honoring, spirit-led discussions among church leaders, through promptings by the Spirit, through closed doors, through favorable circumstances, through having them take advantage of civil, legal, and political rights. If the worship team could join me up front, please. This one thing is for sure. God is working behind the scenes in your life. 
I'll say it again. He's moving you to this place where he can use you and your testimony to encourage and strengthen others for the future. If this message resonated with you and you'd say, Cody, I felt like my situation is weighing upon me and I feel like everything that I do is for nothing. Cody, where's God in my life? I keep hearing about deliverance, but I only see destruction. My hope is gone. My, my faith is low. It's really hard to trust God right now. If that's something that you're feeling this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. That's you. Can we all stand together? And the worship team is going to sing Waymaker once again. And I want us to think about that, about how it, as a profession of faith, that even in the midst of your circumstance, no matter what you're going, no matter how anxious you are about the elections or what's going on in your life, you don't know where God's taking you in your business. You don't know where God's taking you in your life. I want you to sing this song and think about God making a way in every circumstance because that's what he did for the apostles and that's what he does for us. He makes a way whenever we don't even know that there is a way. We plan and, and our plans fail and we feel like we're surrounded on all sides, like we're between a rock and a hard place, but in the end, God and Spirit is still in control. He's leading you to the place where he can use you. He's going to use your testimony. And I know that he is with you today.